I'm not thinking about Chinese food anymore. I'm thinking about Medicaid expansion. <laughs> I so appreciate you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sit over here and think about Chinese food and ice cream hungry. now. <laughs> Welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Keith. I'm Kate. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay. Next week is National Mental Illness Awareness Week. And NAMI uh, puts together the theme each year. And this year's theme is Why Care? So let's just take a couple minutes to talk about why we care about mental health. Real short. And then let's move into what are some barriers for people um, accessing services and mental health that they, they really need. Sounds like a great plan. You know what? I'm actually going to invite you to start this episode for us, Keith. I agree. Oh, gladly. So I care. Um, so really, my transition into the, into the mental health world was more of a career choice. But as I've been learning uh, more about that world, uh, I have uh, seen and been more mindful of the ways in which mental illness has had an immediate impact in my family and my family's history and how um, not receiving care um, or taking advantage of, of resources has um, made some of my uh, some of my history challenging um, with my immediate family and extended family. Uh, and so I have a desire beyond that, and, you know, even just friends and families who have had difficult family situations. Um, because of mental illness, I care because I know that if those folks would have received services um, earlier on and earlier intervention, that their lives would have been really different. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, powerful. Yeah, and I and I appreciate your perspective. I work in the field as a behavioral health clinician, um, and 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 you don't, and that's awesome that you have such a profound perspective. Uh, I really appreciate that, and thank you for doing what you do. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. What about you? You, you too, Kate. What's your What's your Who's why? Next? Who's next? Go Who's for next? it. Go for I'm it. I'm here. Renee. I'm on it. Um, Don't take what I was going to say. Uh, yes. <laughs> why care? Why do I care? I care because as a young high school student, I had an amazing experience that just partnered me with students who were quote unquote different hmm. than I was. And I learned so much from them. So I think the uh, anticipated outcome of that partnership was that um, some of these students that were different would learn from some of their peers, right? The reality is it was such a reciprocal relationship. And so in that moment, uh, I just feel really grateful that in my self-absorbed 18-year-old self-brain, I was able to recognize um, that just because somebody is different doesn't mean they're like missing something or lacking something or incomplete. In some yeah. Yeah. Yes, that they've got something different to offer, and mm-hmm. that maybe I can be a part of somebody's journey in a helpful way. Yeah, not that I don't ha- ever have all the answers, but maybe I have an answer that that person needs. And so, coming into the behavioral health, the mental health care field. Um, and I, I have worked in foster care and in acute settings a lot with children and families. And so to find myself here at the Community Mental Health Center with just this really broad spectrum of life experience and age and circumstances that we work with, I just feel really equipped for that. Uh, and I love starting where folks are at, um, recognizing how I can help them with maybe some of my own skill 
or getting them connected to somebody who can. Yeah, so they can learn change yeah. and grow. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for all that you do. While I'm doing it, I'm learning yes. changing yeah. and growing. Yeah. And it uh, never stops. It's an ongoing journey. I mean, it really does recognize. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and making sure that I am always learning from the person sitting across from me. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, it doesn't matter who you are. That is what started my journey here. And I've got to keep my finger on, on that. I'll, I'll, I'll never lose that. Or I will be healthy enough to step away from the career and go to culinary school. There you go. <laughs> we might all benefit from that, too. Yeah. Makes you good will. Chinese food. You will. <laughs> all right. Kate. Kate, why do you care? Uh, well, so in addition to just personal impact, as many people can, you know, com- come to realize and agree with, I also care because you matter. And I yeah. hope that um, everyone listening can hear that and understand that. And that you matter not just when you're healthy, you matter when things are hard and you're not feeling like you're at your best. And because it's so hard when people are in the dark place to believe and truly believe, not because they don't want to, but to believe that you matter and you're worthy and you deserve the help that you need. I mean, that's, you do. And that's why I care because I want to be that voice for someone who can't find their voice in that moment until they can find it again. Mm. And that's awesome. really, for me, what it comes down to. Yeah. And um, knowing kind of like what Renee said, it also feeds my journey. It yeah. helps me learn and grow on what I can do differently and what I can do to help support my own mental wellness and while getting the opportunity and the honor to really walk it with someone else. Because I feel honored and... I'm grateful and blessed to have the opportunity to have someone trust me to walk it with them because that's a vulnerable time. And so I'm going to get off my soapbox. But (laughs) for all kinds of reasons, I care, but especially because every single person listening matters, no matter where you're at. Yep, absolutely. I want to move on to that next segment about barriers. Before I do that, I want to give our uh, disclaimer for the podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Johnson County Mental Health Center or Johnson County government. So now let's transition to barriers because we know um, the national statistics has one in five adults in America uh, have a diagnosable mental illness. We also know that a a great percentage of those are not uh, seeking or receiving care uh, that they might need. What are what are some of the biggest barriers for people accessing care that they might need? Yeah, I would I would love to, to take a stab at that if I could. I also just want to say thanks for kind of um, intertwining these two maybe seemingly non-related questions of, of why care and then what are the barriers. But it, I think it's so that our listeners know it's because we care, because we've really chosen this path in this field in this time of our lives that we also want to recognize, hey, how can we get our listeners um, motivated and engaged along with ourselves to go, how, how can we impact change out there? What are some of the things yeah. that we're seeing? Um, if folks aren't in our world and they don't you know, necessarily know what those barriers are, they could have an answer for us. And that would be, that would be amazing. So I will, I will start off and in the wise words of, of our director, Tim DeWeese, I really <laughs> love that he, he kind of narrowed it down to actually two really broad scope topics if you will um right so money and and workforce so i just want to maybe invite us for the rest of the time to kind of talk about those two maybe large uh, those broad scope items and kind of narrow them down and, and describe to our listeners a little more about what those mean 
to us. So maybe start with our maybe start with the, the finance, the money world. What are some barriers there? Yeah, let's do this. I also want to add a third category that is significant. Uh, I'm sorry, I've not approved this. Memo. I know. Stigma? I know. Well, yeah, stigma. But there's uh, so stigma along with uh, cultural considerations yeah. uh, that okay, yeah. okay, is a, maybe a third tier of that. Okay, so money, workforce, culture, cultural. Yeah. Stigma can play into that. Yeah. Yeah. Dunzo. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So <laughs> money. Money. <laughs> I think I think one of the biggest um issues is the fear of not being able to pay for services. Um and we have an interesting role in our community as a community mental health center that uh we uh, tend to provide services for uninsured and underinsured in addition to other folks who have severe mental illness and substance abuse. Uh, uh, issues, but we we see that here. So every year we provide about seven million dollars worth of charitable care mm-hmm. for residents of Johnson County, which is right. amazing to think about. Yeah, yeah. Right now, if the Kansas legislature were to exp- uh, legislature were to expand Medicaid, about three point five million of that would be would be funded for us. But even a, a step before that, for um, for residents who maybe don't have insurance but know that they have um, some concerns about their own mental health, mm-hmm. the fact that they might not know that we provide charitable care. Right. They just know that they don't have insurance, and so they don't feel like they're likely able to pay for pay for it, and so they just don't seek it out because they don't know that we even have that option of charitable care. So yeah. the, the barrier could be I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, <laughs> or I don't even know that someone could offer me assistance to pay for this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think another another thing that just um, from my limited perspective here, at the community mental health center, uh, the the folks that we serve, guys, we we talk a lot about severe and persistent mental illness. Yeah, um, we talk a lot about um, psychiatric rehabilitation. A lot of a lot of those services that we're providing, um, man, they're really walk alongside someone. Um, with 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 our client leading the way, right? Going, hey, what are your goals? How do we help you get there? What are some tasks we can really walk alongside you and do? And guys, that's not covered by any commercial insurance, right? So and tough. It, it, it really is tough because that again, it, I know we're going to talk about culture, we're going to talk about stigma, but man, what a dividing line! Hey, if you have commercial insurance, you're not going to have any severe persistent mental illness, right? Okay. That's sarcasm. That's absolutely right. not true. Right. That's not a dividing factor of any way, shape, or form. Um, again, going back to back to the statistic that you mentioned um, earlier, Keith, is that one in five adults have a diagnosable mental illness, and that's a that's a, a, a wide spectrum yeah. of functional impairment. Right. Right. And, and socioeconomic class. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you've mentioned severe and persistent mental illness several times. Do you want to share a little bit of what a severe and persistent mental illness means or what that Sure. So the one thing that I would say is that probably, you know, um, the state can define it in a nice, probably clear sentence. What I want to say is if you have any sort of question, come connect with us. Perfect. Come Perfect. ask us or come tell us truthfully, here's what I'm experiencing and let us give you some feedback. Hey, awesome. We've got some great providers to connect you with, or let's look at some services that Johnson County provides because really truthfully um, for, for, for listeners and, and thanks Kate for, for pointing me out or kind of holding me to the pointing it out, holding me to the, to the carpet here that folks that we're serving here have a significant chronic mental illness, but are also struggling with some functional impairment. So we're going to talk housing, 
hygiene, employment, um, family or social relationships, and having a mental illness that's impacting a lot of domains of functioning, that's an intensive service regimen. And to not have that funded, I mean, I, I would be extremely discouraged. Uh, at the federal level, likely the state level, uh, there are definitely conversations around um, what's called mental health parity, which yep. is um, legislation that would um, provide for uh, private insurance companies to uh, provide for mental health services. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's out there and being talked about. But that is definitely a barrier a barrier for accessing services. Yeah. Anything else you need to jump in on this? Finance, I just want to speak a little piece? bit more yeah. about that and just so that it, it took me um, – a little while to wrap my head around what 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 does parity mean i don't get yeah, that right it's not, yeah. and it's just it's spending equal amount equal. of dollars yeah. on something okay yeah. it's like if we spend a hundred dollars on physical health we should be spending a hundred dollars on mental health right. right we're talking billions of dollars here and in, in big picture stuff but just right just spending the same dollar amount given the same amount of credence too so that's what p- parity uh references and it took me a while to, to kind of figure that out but Makes sense, though, right? Should we not our, our our mental health should be just as invested in as our physical yeah. health? Uh, so yeah, we got we got some work to do there. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, I've I haven't said a whole bunch because I remember so my background. Um, I have my master's in public health administration, and this is something we talked about in public health. Generally speaking, it used to be more based on the physical well-being of an individual. Right. And we're starting to see that shift some. And we, I did a paper on um, mental health parity that was not selected. It was kind of given to us. And I struggled significantly with that paper. And the reason is because I couldn't even figure out why this is a conversation yeah. that we're having. And I'm going to try not to get on a soapbox. But I was like, how can we not justify the fact that our whole body, not just physical ailments but the mind as well as one of the major parts in our body that's controlling the functions of so many things not getting equal and that just comes back to stigma lack of understanding in my mind but I struggled writing that paper because I mean I'll just be honest I don't I don't know why we can't get there Um, knowing how many people we say talk about the one in five um, have a diagnosable mental illness and then you think about how many loved ones are also surrounding that individual who are impacted by it directly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people are impacted by mental illness to some degree, but we're sitting here having the conversation about why they shouldn't be, you know, treated equally. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, but I, I do want to say, as I'm standing on my soapbox, I think we're starting to make progress. Um, and the conversations are happening more. So I do want to, give the shout out to that we still have a long way to go i think it's really interesting about um, this perspective um and then i'll come back and play a little bit of a devil's advocate just for conversation's sake oh, Keith. i know it's my job uh Makes is conversation good <laughs> <laughs> thinking about zero reasons why campaign mm-hmm. and the um the teen council around zero reasons why so in this last year they developed what needed to be the strategic plan of that campaign and they rolled that out. So it's, um, you know, teen, student-driven, uh, and rolled that out to our community. And one of the things that, that was on the forefront of their three priorities is is giving mental health basically the same um, amount of time in schools mm-hmm. as uh, physical health. And Brilliant. So the, yeah. So yep. there's there's just a, there's a push from it. It's very grassroots, that desire. It's coming from the youngest generation because they're experiencing it in their schools. 
uh, and talking about mental illness more, suicide prevention more in their schools. And so there's more of a desire for that. Now, just to play the devil's advocate pieces, it's really easy at any time, and, and all those things that we're talking about, to say we really need this to change to to remove this barrier. Yep. But we know that every bill is a part of a broader system, oh, and so absolutely everything has to get paid for by something. And so how does that how does that budget all work? We recognize that. So yeah. just wanted to say for our own set, our own sake and for our listeners that we're, we're talking here specifically about what are the barriers, what might be a possible solution for those for accessing mental health services. Uh, but we don't have a full on like federal budget that we're proposing to make Thank that happen. Thank you for saying that. We just yeah. get to sit in a small cozy room here and talk about all of our opinions and save the world and yeah. Yeah. all that. And all our wish lists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I want to... Um, so for for our, our listeners, and I, I, this just came to me right now. So if Keith doesn't agree with what I'm going to say, he has all power and can edit this out. Yep, I sure roll. Can. Uh, <laughs> but one of so I, okay. Thanks for bringing up zero reasons why. I want to highlight something that that we're doing and that we're doing a darn good job of is recognizing that barrier, simply that barrier of just money, the dollar, yeah, and. And when part of my team, so I am a, I'm a little proud mama of it, okay, is one As of the clinicians on my team. We, we house the student clinic, all right? So we have students pursuing their master's degree in a licensed behavioral health field, and we want to say, listen, we're going to carve out this time for these students to see folks that aren't insured, that don't have just, again, that, 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 that coverage, okay? And I know it's not helping everything. I know that's not the end-all, be-all. But what I will tell you is that because we've done that, people have come out of the other providers, guys, have come out of the woodworks to say they'll do something like that. That's great. So that is, again, just the t- <laughs> Yay! Goosebumps. <laughs> so just us talking about how we're providing no to low-cost services for folks who are uninsured or underinsured it, it really has this kind of wildfire effect on providers, and I am really proud of, of that and to be a part of it. So it just goes to show that talking about this stuff really does things. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because that also plays into the workforce problem as a barrier, too. Okay. Right? So let's jump in there. Look at that. Look at that transition. Good job. <laughs> so I love we the fat on the back. <laughs> I'm just fixing my shirt. <laughs> uh, we here at Johns County Mental Health Center we offer telepsychiatry, um, and that came about because when we had an open position in the past for a psychiatrist, we had a hard time filling that position with anybody local, and so we had to expand that search. Uh, nationally to find someone who would be able to provide these services so we could still take care of our clients uh, with licensed uh, individuals to do that, qualified Mm -hmm. individuals. And so we're seeing that across Kansas with um, just a workforce problem. Mm -hmm. Um, What are are some of the things that play into that? Yeah, I I guess I can speak being a licensed clinician in the workforce of the mental health field. um, I, 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 I will use... Kate's term of I got on my soapbox and was just having a casual conversation with someone. I don't know if any casual, any conversation is casual with me, Uh. Uh, but I got, I got a little heated and I am, uh, I am a sports lover. All right. So I love sports analysis. I love going football is my favorite sport. I love going to football games, (laughs) watching football. football. Um, And I was having, 
kind of an, an um, existential crisis of my love for sports and watching professional athletes get paid a lot of money. Again, disclaimer, I was wondering where, just how my opinion, okay? <laughs> just yep. my opinion. Yep. Okay. And I spouted out to somebody, I save lives, not score points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. But get, getting down to it is, right, is, is wage, okay? We've sure. got a lot of folks... Um, I hope a lot of folks that want to come into this field, and I can only speak to myself, right? I went to college. You do need to get a master's degree and then um, mm-hmm. a license. All of that has uh, thousands of dollars uh, price tag attached to them. The continuing education. And, All of it yeah. forever. And I will tell you, I'll chip away at student loans uh, until I'm in my 50s. And so, I, again, money's not going to solve everything. Money's not going to solve our, our barrier. Right. Um, money's not going to solve a workforce issue. But one of the, the um, we're talking about the telepsychiatry, um, uh, we, we, we don't have some of the resources financially to bring in the folks that have the expertise in child psychiatry, the expertise in community mental health psychiatry. Um, it, it's also, man, you got to, some people got to work two jobs coming into the behavioral health world because yeah, yeah. it is not the most lucrative career endeavor. Um, so again, I, you, I think you find a lot of us folks that land in here, like we do in this room of, we're not here for the price tag. Sure. It's not what it's about, but I also want to make sure that I can put a roof over my head, uh, food on my table and pay my bills. I yeah. Mean, and when somebody <laughs> completes their degree, has experiences in the job market, if they have two different job offers and one is paying considerably more than another, guess that's where I'm going. Part, yeah, yeah that's at least guess where I'm going. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so then it's so, I mean, you got burnout, retention, Thank turnover. Mis- yeah, burnout. Oh yeah. my goodness. So I think all of that, when we talk about workforce, how do you attain? A strong workforce and how do you retain. maintain and retain yeah it, it, yeah it it's tough and it's a large investment um and so smaller agencies might um, have some difficulty with that yeah mm-hmm. well and i think too it goes back when you mentioned uh burnout it kind of goes back to my thought of we don't have enough mental health providers because back to what you make and all of that versus an increasing need in the community right so you have providers then trying to figure out how to have that work-life home-life balance they don't get burnt out but yet you want to provide and meet the need of the community absolutely and you just go back and forth which can cause some more of that tension when it comes to making sure we have the workforce who can be retained and be retained in a way that's healthy and supported and healthy workforce. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's key. And Absolutely. so I, I want to come back to the original question to loop this back around too. the way that this serves. A, my as bad. A, no, 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 my bad. <laughs> we live in this and we know that this is a significant issue for mental health centers in, in Kansas and probably nationally, but specifically the way this plays out as a barrier uh, to service for people in the community is that, there's not always enough providers for the level of need that there that exists. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you hear Absolutely. all the time, oh, the wait time is three months to get in or two months, and, you know, and I, I'll never forget when I first started working in the mental health field, and I was working with a college student because that was my previous job, and um, I was talking to the provider, and I said they really need to get linked with community mental health care, like ASAP. 
And the provider said, well, that four-week turnaround is actually really good. And I remember just saying, thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Four weeks is considered a good turnaround in terms of – it was psychiatry. Um, but I remember think just being mind-blown by that. And now that I work in the field – you can see, I mean, it's not that people are sitting around having long lunches. I mean, yeah. nope. they're, yeah, I mean, it's, they're trying to make right. sure everyone's getting supported and there's just not enough workforce to make sure everyone can get that quick turnaround that is oftentimes needed, but that mental health providers are really doing, and this is a non-clinician, mental health providers really are doing the best they can right. to meet that need. This is a capacity is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's a complex issue, right? And Mm so extremely there's, there is that immediate as far as for um, the workforce in the community mental health sector. So more of a a service, a service perspective in that way. Um, Like there's, there's, you know, state funding and other funding that could increase. So this year um, the Kansas state legislator uh, increased the amount of money is going to community mental health centers in Kansas Mm -hmm. They increased it to match uh, where it was ten years prior. Woohoo! Not I know, inc- oh, amazing. Not including inflation. Cheering for that. So <laughs> it's good, right? It's positive. They're in a in a difficult time where they're trying to figure out where money goes. Yeah, we are really thankful for Absolutely. for that response. Absolutely. <laughs> also acknowledging that uh, we are just back to the level where we were ten years ago right. with not including inflation, and we are having this more significant workforce issue as far as finding qualified candidates to apply for our positions yep. uh, and being able to maintain as an employee leaves to go some, do something else, being able to maintain our level of service for our clients mm-hmm. um, as we're trying to find people to fill those roles. Yeah. I, mean, outside, I, think yeah. that, I mean, we're all here because we love our jobs. Yes. And the reason that we're talking yeah. about this is because we care. You know, we're talking about why care? Why care? Yeah, yeah. we why. care, and we want it to be possible for other people to be working mm-hmm. in this field because we do care. We want folks to to receive the yeah. services that they need. And so there's other, you know, people could look at the higher ed system. People could look at all kinds of other yeah. reasons that contribute to uh, the difficulty in finding qualified candidates. There's need for improved and increased technology to make some of that remote therapy possible, and, and especially for rural communities. Absolutely, that all the yeah. time. So yeah. those, those, it's. There's a lots of pieces there, but uh, workforce availability is a second barrier. The third mm-hmm. one we mentioned was the the cultural um, cultural components and stigma, kind of yep. marrying those two ideas together. Yeah. The social component, yeah. yeah. Kate, do you want to jump us jump in with us there? Oh man, <laughs> gotta figure out which way to go with that because <laughs> there's so much in my head going right now. Um, I think there's two separate things, and I actually kind of look at, I kind of pull the two apart, even though they naturally flow together but when i think about stigma i first start with just the general lack of awareness and understanding of what mental health and mental illness are because i do feel not everyone but i feel like a chunk of the individuals who even unintentionally express um concerns for lack of a better word about mental health or mental illness that come across as stigmatizing is often because they just don't understand And until we can address that and help people come more educated and understand, for example, that mental illness is not a choice, but an illness and a disorder just as any other physical one, then we start to make some change. But I also think as we talk about um, cultural beliefs, we have to also understand when we're working with someone, whether it's clinically or not, 
that we understand what the beliefs are of their home culture mm-hmm. and that ethnicity or that religion mm-hmm. and that we are meeting them where they're at yep. and supporting them in a way that aligns with those beliefs and can start breaking down the stigma within that yeah. aspect as well. And that can happen in a home, that can happen in a clinical setting, that can happen anywhere in the community, which is why we talk about the importance of why we care is because at any point in your day, you're going to interact with someone who has their own beliefs about mental health and mental illness, right. good or bad. We yeah. all have our perspective. Well, I just, but, a, a couple weeks ago, um, I was on my way home from work and uh was picking up some pizza for my family on the way home and I was in line to pick up pizza and I happened to get in line behind. Now I want pizza. Uh, I know. <laughs> Thanks a lot. What about the Chinese food? Um, I was, I ended up in line behind um, a guy who's been connected to uh, both me and my wife for some 18 years and, um, and know him through uh, my church connection. So my background, I used to be a pastor. And so it's really interesting to have now this conversation. It had been a while since I've, I've talked to him. He wanted to catch up about, oh, now I work in the mental health center. And we started talking about the ways that sometimes um, even the, the, the religious perspectives together with cultural uh, traditions and, and caveats um, can shape the way people perceive mental health yeah. in, in very significant yeah. ways. Absolutely. And that's – and, um, you know, I'm, I was talking about that through a, one particular lens of one – one uh, faith tradition, but I think that, um, you know, every faith tradition has some way that they view mental illness, whether that is explicit or implicit. uh, It it shapes the way that we understand it. And sometimes depending on what that perspective is, can make people um, feel uh, at least cautious, if not afraid to talk about um, symptoms that they're having that could be related to mental illness. I always say religion can be a protective factor or a risk factor when we talk about things like, mental illness or suicide or any of that because i mean it depends really on the approach and how that's looked at and i think the faith community is wonderful and they play a strong role in helping their loved ones around them get linked and have the conversation so we've had a a lot of really great um chances here with the mental health center to engage with several different faith communities in our in yeah. our county, uh, we have representation from various faith communities in, uh, like the Johnson County Suicide Prevention Coalition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, different uh, places of worship that provide space for us to do different meetings and events. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of positive things happening in a, a wide variety of faith communities yeah. who are wanting to talk about it more because they're realizing that um, mental health is a whole community issue and every player has to be a part of that, and that's yeah. really positive. So the, the clinician in me takes it probably to a, just a, a smaller scale, um, if I can, just for a minute. And I talk and all that. Um, so if you talk about um, culture, ethnicity, religion, all of that comes together and is manifested in the family. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so we can be a part of the same ethnicity and we can be a part of the same religion. But in our family unit, here is how we teach it. Here is how we model it. Yeah. Here is how it manifests itself. And so I go back to, and again, I'm just a, a, a big kind of family systems. Uh, I look through that lens a lot sure. or a systems theory. So that's where, where I come from when I talk about this as a, as a barrier to access is that um, if we, uh, so I got to 
another tangent here. Sorry, guys. In the child <laughs> development world, we know that children begin developing right their moral compass in elementary school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it's it's and, and they still got a lot of growing and maturing to do around that. But they are forming already pretty concrete uh, beliefs, moral beliefs. Right? What do I believe? Good, bad. What, what do I believe about people? And and so knowing that the family, um, I wouldn't even say family of origin, right? Because, man, I think the family is just so dynamic that yeah. we all know that families look so different. But imagine a child who um, is in the foster care system yeah, right, and doesn't have any of that consistency. Right. Or, um, again, a family who is involved in a, in a religious community, a cultural community, but has a very... Um, narrowed scope of thinking okay hey right it, it, we all have opinions we all bring this to the table we all raise our families in that space that we have it is really going to be a generational change it's got to be a movement because i recognize man my parents grew up maybe thinking something different than i would like them to think or experience yeah. now yeah. and it's okay to have bring those dialogues to the table and it's yep. okay to talk about it um but it's also really difficult for someone who that is their family belief or dynamic to then step outside of that belief right. and seek help when you might not be able to come back to your family and feel supported. And yeah. I just recognize that that feels so alone, yeah. right? Yeah. That is oh, just yeah. so lonely. And that can be such a, I mean, as far as all the barriers we talked about, that could be feel insurmountable yes. because you can, you know, you can figure out maybe, uh, through payment plans yes, or something. I'll give you a dollar a week. Yeah. You but could, <laughs> you could wait four weeks uh, right. to get yeah. in when there's but not that enough employees. But that initial step is hard to make. I don't know what, how my family is going to respond. That... Or I know how my family is going to respond. Yeah. yeah. And I will be ostracized or shunned yeah. or right. not taken seriously. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's tough, right? But again. Right. Or maybe even in that internal family unit, it's not, you're not looked down upon for expressing or verbalizing that you're struggling with mental illness but don't you dare say anything to any of the other right, family where right. it's kept secret just within your four walls yep. and you know I, I have to say sometimes sometimes that individual might not want to share so I have to honor that yeah. but sometimes they might say I want people to know I want people to understand that this is part of me and to then not be able to vocalize it because of some of those beliefs yeah. can be very difficult. So thinking of some of our listeners who may be in that exact situation at this moment, what words of hope and encouragement do you have for them who may be personally experiencing that barrier to receiving help? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the message that I shared in a previous um, episode in our suicide prevention episode is that you're not alone. Which is episode two. That's yes. right. If anyone wants to Woo. go back and. <laughs> yeah, go back. Listen, just my message of, of you are not alone. And uh, it, it can sound so cliche and so, oh man, just <laughs> not very personal. But what I hope to, uh, what I hope comes across in my message of you're not alone is that there is somebody else in your position feeling something similar experiencing something similar and you might not be able to reach out and grab their hand right then but they are there and there are folks to receive that message from you we have crisis lines right we've got something 24 hours a day that you can reach out just to get you through that moment Mm -hmm. 
until you can go cool. Okay, take a deep breath. Yeah. I can do this. I can get through tomorrow. Maybe I can come to Johnson County Mental Health Center. Maybe I can call someone. Or you know what? Maybe I'm I'm okay today doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to also just say that mental health services are confidential. Absolutely. And so even if you just need to take that first step for yourself, reach out for help. Some of that conversation can be, how do I talk about this with my family? Yeah. And how do I navigate that? Yep. Absolutely. And I would just add, I mean, I was trying to, I was like, again, I can't think of just one <laughs> thing. I don't know why I can't ever just narrow it down, but. It's because we care. I know. Yes, I just is. like, I have all of these feelings right now. I'm just like, if you're listening, you're loved, you're not broken, that you're not damaged. There's nothing wrong with you. You have a mental illness just as other people have physical illness. And this is your story. And if you feel that what is best for you is to share that story, then share that story because there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with you for saying that my name is Becky and I have depression. And then I say, it's so nice to meet you and I'm so proud of you. And I just, whatever journey you're on, just own it and love it. Give yourself grace. It's going to have ups and downs and you're (laughs) loved. You're you're so loved. (laughs) I think I, so important. I think, I think this has been fantastic. One piece, I think it is a, a major component of, of um, this section as far as barriers that we would just really, it, we can't miss it, is uh, being able to access mental health care in your in your native language. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely, that, that language barrier is definitely a challenge. And whether oh, that's, yeah. um, and including in that, our, our deaf community and being able yeah. to access care yep. uh, through ASL. Um, that's definitely a barrier, and that and that plays into some of the workforce and financial pieces too. And, and cultural, having, yep, and yep, having yep. resources available um, to provide that care. But uh, I just wanted to make sure that we identified that as a barrier. We're we're identifying barriers, maybe large scale, small scale. Just going, hey, because we think about this stuff, we mm-hmm. want to be better. We want to go out there and we want to invite more people. So I I really want this to be an invitation to folks. Um, if you've got a barrier. Um, I want to say, hey, we've thought of it. It's cool. Like, come in. Um, And we just want to normalize that for you. And if it's something that is just, man, seems insurmountable, uh, come on in. And and we're just going to, we're going to try to help tackle that one Mm -hmm. one small piece at a time if we can. Yeah, let's wrap up with um, sharing those crisis lines uh, so people have that. Yeah, absolutely. So our our personal, our Johnson County Mental Health Center crisis line is 913-268. 0156 and that is available 365 days a year 24 hours a day please reach out we have uh, mental health center staff manning those phones around the clock just for you in the national text line uh, you can text 741741 and that's also a 24-7 line and the national suicide prevention lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK that's 1-800-273-8255 And they also have an online chat available. Um, So if you don't have access to a phone, don't let that discourage you from reaching out. You can still do that um, by a computer and go to the um, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline website. And on the top right-hand side corner, it says chat here. Click on it, and a clinician or someone going to be on the other line to help you out. Perfect. If you want to get engaged in the the Mental Illness Awareness Week uh, next week, uh, you can search for Mental Illness Awareness online, it's uh, or NAMI, N-A-M-I, uh, and they have a lot of social media graphics that you can share um, to raise awareness about mental illness uh, in your own community, on your own social media platforms. You can use hashtag 
uh, why care and tell your story. Tell why you care. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Keith. I'm Kate. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay. Okay.